guys, welcome. It's Ladies in the Lead, and here we are, season two, episode eight. And I have to tell you, I am like geeked out, really just geeked out for this week. It's Miss Candy Schminky. And for those of you who don't know Candy, she is this world-renowned livestock judge. She is a co-owner in Schminky Genetics, and they live um, just west of Cedar Rapids in Van Horn. I have known Candy since I was a beginning 4-H'er. She actually grew up in Cedar County. Um, I wouldn't say that we actually knew each other much, but I did idolize her and have watched her and her family for years from a distance. And I have to be honest, when I created Ladies in the Lead, she was in the top 10 people that I wrote down. I wanted to talk to Candy Schminky. Candy and her husband, Al, married and started their farm in 1983. And are going to be celebrating their 40th anniversary this year of Schminky Genetics. It is just hard to believe the things that they have been through, the ups and downs, the tragedies, the droughts, the pseudorabies, the you know, the derecho, the things that would cause farms to go under. And yet here they are 40 years later at the top of their game. Candy will tell us a story about how being a lead female judge in the 80s and 90s at times could be hard, but she did it, took risks, set big goals, and broke barriers that a lot of us just cannot thank her enough for. Our conversation lasted over two hours. You guys, that's how much fun we had talking. So we've decided to break this episode into two sessions. So part one is going to be this week and part two to finish up next week. This week, we focus on Stock Show. We focus in on her journey, how she got started, how she got called a ribbon girl one year, one day when she showed up to be the judge. We talk about how it evolved from being a young producer into family memories and now the legacy of, you know, just continuing on. And we talk about the future. What's the future hold and whose dreams and how did the farm continue on? This is just like so exciting for me. I was, I was having the time of my life talking to her and I could have kept going, but I was like, no, we have to stop. So I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I do. If you can take one thing from this, Candy says, you know, always keep your dreams and go for it. If you enter the ring as a female and you're questioning yourself, be confident. Make sure you know that you can do it. And always, always be open to any opportunity that might come near you. Because she never says no to any new idea. She's always willing to hear it. Because she's a special lady. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did can't wait for you to meet her, Miss Candy Schminky. started recording and I said now Candy you may not remember because it's been a long time but I was just a wee little 4 her in Cedar County and we actually went to the same county together and grew up a yes. little bit you were a little bit older than me not too much older but 
Yeah. I was talking about the first lamb class I was ever in. And, well, let's just say I started at the bottom and I worked my way up through the years. <laughs> you bet. You bet. I think so you, we all have those moments, yeah. you know, and you know what you, where you want to go. And so I know. Go and achieve. I know. You grew up at Thompson. Yes. Right yeah. in Stanwood, Iowa, right? Oh, or outside. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm outside. from Mechanicsville, so we're like yeah. practically neighbors still. Yes. Yeah. But Tell us a little bit about your family, how you grew up. My mom and dad, you know, mostly had cattle. Mm-hmm. You know, Shorthorns, right? Shorthorns was yeah. kind of where we all started. And then my two sisters, you know, really went to the cattle. I was kind of the one that it was okay, but honestly, I was getting tired of getting kicked all the time. <laughs> and I was like, there's got to be something no. else out there. And then it's a little there's got to be something else out there. <laughs> so that's... Um, Really, with Neil Smith and, yeah. you know, Craig and Carmen, they were just neighbors not too far from us. Yeah. And so, uh, they kind of introduced my mom and dad into the sheep a little bit more. And that's kind of where I leaned toward and um, enjoyed. But, you know, I also had, had some cattle, of course. Yeah. And, uh, to be kind of part of the crew. and <laughs> With the to. short horns, yes. It, and one time I know they bought me a Kenya steer because I, I thought I needed something different, but that was an adventure and um, to get everything on. But you have to think back then, you know, key steers were, or was it one of the, um, like the ombre ones, you know, with the yeah. color, <laughs> tan to black to, right. Well, and and always, it's super tall. It's super tall. Like we could never get any fat enough. <laughs> you know, my dad was like, this is the craziest thing we've ever done. Uh, but my, my grandpa, you know, Dick Thompson, he, yeah. he had, um, you know, sold figure tone feet. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I could go on some routes with him and I always enjoyed talking with him and he was, you know, seriously, you know, he gave his word and that's, you know, that's what it was. There was no, yeah. Their handshake meant everything, and so I kind of grew up that way, and, you know, looked up to him a lot and how he kind of put things together, and my other grandpa, too, he was the same way, you know, Gene Sykes, and, you know, we had very strong women in our family. You did. You know, my mom was a nurse, and she just retired just a couple years ago. What? How old was she? Uh, She was 79. See, okay, yeah, we're not we're not retiring anytime soon. No, it will be a while. <laughs> You're going to be at it for a while. Yeah, Gosh, that's awesome. Seventy nine, she's retired. Yeah, yeah, and she, you know, she just she loves people, mm-hmm. and uh, she loves caring for people too. She worked right during COVID, mm-hmm. had us all a little nervous, you know, because we didn't want anything to happen yeah. to her too. But her caring and thoughts were something I always looked up to a lot, and. Uh, she did not like it when we were all to stay home. Uh, you know, she would drive to Cedar Rapids and she would tell me, Candy, there's people out. There's people walking around. <laughs> and I said, well, there may be, but mom, just stay safe. That's yeah. my biggest thing, you know, uh, stay safe. But her loved how her work ethic and she's still, I mean, yeah. very adequate, can do anything she wants. And, you know, she does love her retirement now. Which um, I was like, it's never retirement. It's just yeah. new activity. It is. It's you go from work to different work. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, there's really no downtime because, no. you know, she's kept herself very, very busy. And right. so I love that. And, of course, my two sisters, you know, yeah. TJ and Tammy, um, you know, always love being with them. And, of course, we get in those little sister fights. But we, what? No we way. Enjoyed <laughs> we enjoyed being together and. Those two have stayed in the cattle, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, definitely I went the other yeah. way. <laughs> you may have, yeah, identified yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the, 
the key, key, the key steer wasn't it for you that one year? That just wasn't the thing. Wasn't just the thing for you, huh? Yeah. 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 Well, I'm sure you showed a lot of, um, well, if you went with Smith's to start with, they had Shropshire's. That was my... Yes. And South Downs, and they had all these cute little lambs. I remember going to their farm and seeing the South Downs off in a barn, and I was hooked from that point on. And we never yeah. showed one. I don't know why. That's my favorite breed to this day. They're still so cute. Yeah. But you did you grow up with, what, hams? Because that's what you have um, now? Or We um, did a little Schrotz, but Dorses was Dorses. the main thing, okay. you know, with the Lincoln Way yeah. family. And so shortly... After that, was Al and I uh, both in you know college. He never dreamed he was going to have sheep, and I surely didn't dream I was going to have <laughs> hogs. And so we had a lot of really good advice and uh, advisors that always told us to keep an open mind. And yeah, you never know what's going to happen, and that's very true today. Yeah, but um, you know your internships it really means a lot of where you go and. I had Pete and Paige Walters yeah. that uh, were the ones that really took me under their arms and, you know, let me kind of work 50-50 with them. So I got a lot of their genetics to get started, and they were probably a little ahead in the club lamb industry at that time because uh, it was more the breeding sheep, you know, was yeah. really a little bit more popular then. And, uh, Think about I really that back then. We didn't even slick shear back then. No. Like weathers or ewes. I mean, you blocked everything. Yep. Card blocked all the ewes, all the, I mean. Yeah, the blocking, you know, really got me through college. I mean, it was great money, but um, it also did a lot to your hands. I mean, the, <laughs> I yeah, you got to the point where I had to stop. It just was, you know, you were going to get carpal tunnel if you yeah. didn't. Uh, pretty much they were like you got to stop but it made great money to get us going and Pete and Paige you know for us to get get our start going and then my mom and dad we worked with them on the Dorsets mm -hmm. uh, so we kind of grew from there you know we had probably about 35 head it's about all and we were doing them all in the hog house now I can't <laughs> even believe that we were lambing and putting the pens and everything in the yeah. hog house but um, the business just kept growing mm -hmm. Uh, and then the hogs, Al's family, you know, the Chesters were yep. their main deal. And once the kids came along, then we kind of did some of the crossbred uh, so we could have the barrows, show barrows, mm -hmm. and that gilts for them. And then we were also selling them right along with the Chesters. So at that time, too, there wasn't breed shows. You know, now, yeah. like in Iowa, thank goodness, we have the breed shows. Right. And so, we can support that. Yeah. Yeah. I know. How many gilts did you guys start with? Like, if you had 35 ewes, how many? The hogs we had a little bit more. We had about 75 head is when we started. His dad had passed away, so his grandpa was kind of working side by mm -hmm. side with us. He never believed that they'd ever be sheep on this farm. <laughs> so he reminded <laughs> well, me that a lot. In Van Horn, there's not a lot of pasture around here to put your sheep on. So do you guys just like make runs out in the field or what you how did you just, convince them to turn over the good black soil <laughs> to pasture? Well, there was like a cattle pasture because oh, like, they had okay. they had some cows. Yeah. Uh, so there was a little bit of pasture. We we tore some more up to, for the crop ground because it's just way too good in ground. Uh, so the sheep are what you would really call dry lotted a okay. lot. Mm -hmm. You know, we feed hay year around, but we have a little bit of grass and around the mort building, you know, yeah. we can get out. But that's, so you just dry a lot. That's good. I was going to yeah. say, that would be a hard sell. Yes. There so, is Grandpa, no here's the deal. <laughs> Not only, I'm going to marry your grandson, 
and I'm going to bring my sheep over, and yeah. we're going to take some of your prime farm ground to turn it yeah. to pasture. Yay, let's go for that. Yeah, he would be like, I don't know, we need to think about this a little more. I but know. The, out north here, we did have like a lot that was like two pastures that we could rotate. Yeah. They weren't very big, but... We ended up tearing that up, you know, yeah. eventually. Yeah. Sure, I does good. I don't know. Okay. You know when you get a new idea and you're like trying to implement it, whether it's genetics or whether it's a podcast, there's a lot to learn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you just go sometimes. And I would say my age, I'm 52, and I'm like, sometimes it's like hard to learn new things and like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When social media all came around, yeah. for us, that was, for Al and I, that was a big, big change. Yeah. You know, because we were used, we were taught to be very private when we grew up. Yeah. So to show like our daily activities or anything, that wasn't really anything that we were interested or in. Or even comfortable with, really. Yeah. Really. And comfortable yeah. with. And so um, Al and both of us were like, we don't know. You know, the kids kept, were like, you've got to do that. This is the next thing. And so we pretty much turned all that over to them and what they wanted. But we'll have some different ideas, you know, and to incorporate. But we'll have our 40th um, year in business coming up here. What? 40th year? Yeah. Uh, next year. So we are 23. So that puts it back to, let's see, 83? 83 is when we, yeah, when we all started. So we were pretty young. Um, you know, and Al's family, he's the third generation, you know, yeah. looking forward to have our fourth generation. And now we're in that next, you know, dilemma of our lives. So we're, you know, where's our next step? And, yeah. and you know, what do the kids want to be involved in? Mm -hmm. What do they want to do? Because they're both successful in what they're doing. Right. You know, and so um, it's our dream, you know, whether or not, you know, where, where is your dream? It, right. Where do you want to make it um, from here? You know, schmicky genetics. So that's kind of our biggest thing. And it's hard for either one of us to even think that we're even close to retirement because we don't feel like that. But, <laughs> you know, we got everybody else. What do you think? Like, Are you like on a five-year plan, 10-year plan? What do you think? 20-year plan? I was thinking. I would shoot for 90. <laughs> Things before that. Yeah. Early. yeah. I, I'm really thinking it'll probably be more of a 5 to 10. Yeah. I can't really tell you where that is. Um, you know, because Al, you know, is still full full board and he's very proud that he can work, you know, these young kids <laughs> under two. Um, but sometimes, you know, our kids tell us, you know, we work a lot. In, uh, but that's how we were always brought up. And for us to make it in the business as young as we were, you know, we went through the 80s. We saw yeah, the farm crisis. Yeah. Our, a lot of these kids don't. I remember one lunch. I mean, I would have been 13, 14 you know, I graduated in 88, so kind of my high school, junior high years there. And I remember one lunch, we had one phone call that was going to determine the fate of the farm. It was a loan that was coming through, you know, and we got it. And I remember that lunch just because my dad just, like, paused with it. You know, we never answered the phone during, like, on that particular day we did. And, I mean, you guys should think you were just starting in that time. Yeah, and we went through pit corn, you know, with the pit corn, and that stuff was terrible. So your calcium phosphate. We had ewes, you know, going down that were pregnant, and then we have having to IV them, you know, to get the fluids in them, to get them going, yeah. you know, and sows were losing their litters, and pseudorabies. Did you get pseudorabies? We went through that. Um, we went through the drought. <laughs> so, Rachel, just in 2020. 
You're the direct hit at our farm was direct hit at Rachel too, and you are right in the yes. middle of where it hit in 2020. We still, you know, <laughs> we still have things that we need to do. You know, we're still tweaking and. There's good things, you know, about yeah. Ratio because maybe some of those projects you weren't going to do, now, you know, they right. have to be done and go. But uh, it's just where that balancing act, and sure, we learned a lot about insurance companies and yes. what what was really going there and your rights and where you had to stand up for yourself. Yeah. And, Isn't it funny? Uh, I think that we did learn a lot just to, you know, to be assertive enough to say, no, that's not right, or we need more, or... Yes. Like, I think a lot of us, for insurance companies, we needed more from them. Like, yeah. Um, you know, it ours was the biggest thing was uh, sometimes you couldn't take their word for what mm-hmm. it was, and it's terrible to say that, but uh, we've had really good insurance agents, and then we've had some that have not been very good. And so... Uh, biggest thing for me was anything you said or they say, get it in writing. Yeah. Everything had to be in writing. Yeah. You know, so um, I was the biggest one of keeping track of everything but the amount of paperwork that I had to go through and, yeah. and to just show them. But you had to prove yourself all the time. You know, here it is again. But um, to so, read through that insurance copy, you know, when you get like a big policy, you've got so many things to read through. And a lot of us, you just sign and you go. So there's something huge like what we had. I know. We never expected a hurricane. No. Never expected that. And and the recovery, you know, just, it is, like you said, all in those little details, all of those little things. And for me, like, our adjuster came from Georgia. And to come in and try to even understand what he was looking at. Yes. It was, I mean, he'd been a lot of places and done a lot of things, but it was the details, like, and yeah. still, two years later, I'm like, oh, I wish I would have known better, you know, then and now. Well, that we finally, you know, figured out that we do have the right to ask. Like, we had people that had no idea, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, they'd never seen that. They were more to go to Florida. Mm-hmm. You had a $300,000 house that came off the foundation. What did you do? You wrote a check for the $300,000 and you were done. You know, here it had to be all documented and the paperwork to do that. Mm-hmm. And for that insurance guy to do that was intense. It was. And so finally we had to go through down the domino effect. And finally we found the one gentleman that understood everything, had been through something like this. But I think there was a lot of guys that got caught up in that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they try to get you frustrated mm-hmm. to that point where you're just like, I'm done. You know, I don't want to do Yeah, I just want to settle. I just yeah. want to be over with. Yeah. And, and I was the opposite. I was just like, no, that's not right. You know, it, it just takes a lot longer, but to have your mindset and to have to go through that over and over. But I think there needs to be more education out there for even right. young college kids that are getting out. You know, what insurance do we really need? Here, that's your next job. That's yeah. You're going to go off the farm. You're going to get insurance. Or you could be a... Farmer advocate, like the bridge between the insurance sure. and how to protect yourself. Oh my gosh, you're yeah. hired. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, like, if that is what I want to do in my retirement. But <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a full time job. That would be a full time, but yeah. It's an important part of it. Yeah. It's a part I think that a lot of people don't take the time to truly understand. Yeah. And like you said, and we have this once in a lifetime tragedy, and then we're now trying to catch up, so. Yeah. Did I, you lose livestock during that? Did, or did we, you just building damage? Uh, oh, 
you know, we had a couple, and then we had some livestock that had some major yep. cuts. Yeah. Uh, but for <laughs> even the sheep that were up in the barn, you know, that uh, wind was rotating in there. And so those sheep were, like, very jumpy even afterwards. It took, like, a good year just to calm, even, like, from a thunderstorm. And, of course, you know, we just got done AI and, like, our third group. And so we're like, man, this is not going to work. Yeah, we're all done, you know. But, you know, we had a few, but it wasn't as good as what it could have been, you know. But, you know, just thankful that nobody got hurt. I mean, for that storm, right? really big warning that it was going to be like that it's just thankful there wasn't a whole lot more people hurt yes i totally agree we were in des moines moving in my son that day it was the first day of college and we were in ames and we got stuck in a walmart as the storm came across and hit and i swore the roof was going to come off that walmart and i came down ames looked like a bomb had gone off and i called back home and they were like well it's just a thunderstorm you know and they were and i'm like no i'm telling you this is different it's different, and then it yes. was different. And to get home that day on 30, you remember, wires were down and trucks were, and to get around Cedar Rapids, I don't know if you were home or you were trying to get home, but it was, you know, it took three times as long to get home. And for me, I had, our show steer was in the barn, and oh, nobody could get to my farm, because, and I didn't know if he was dead or collapsed, or he was in a cooler, and, you know, and, all I know, my garage got blown off my house, but my, and my golden retriever, who's like, you know, my dear dog is right, right there. And he comes out of the, what was left of the cornfield because it was flattened. And he was like, where the hell have you been? <laughs> like, come back now. About time you got home. My yeah. God, you're not complaining what happened here. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we were, I was so blessed. My barn stood and that steer was okay. The electricity was out, of course, but nothing that you couldn't turn him out on and like yeah. you said, nobody died that yeah. day. And to think in the whole 700 miles of that storm, not a single death yeah. happened. And it's amazing. It's a miracle. I mean, it really yeah. is a miracle that we were protected by that. We had our, um, it's like the big older, you know, bar that was there, you know, and all tin. But that thing went down. Mm -hmm. And when that went down, that's where we had, you know, coming through the house. This all was pushed in. And, yeah. Um, several of the other sheds, but we just put straw, little bales. Oh, no. So the, that straw, <laughs> you can imagine, it was like everywhere, every uh, crack you could even have, and like the garage it blew in. It was all on the walls, all up above. But the road, you know, when you said there's right. so many pieces out here, they took the snowplow. And that's how they pushed and made like just a way for cars to go up and down. But I don't think anybody ever, ever dreamed. But I'm sure, you know, Grandpa's gone, but he had um, built the house, and the house stood. Yeah. You know, and a couple of the other homes just over by us, I mean, those all were twisted. And it just, that wind, it was just where it kind of hit. Mm -hmm. But we had quite a bit of damage that was inside the house because the windows went out, and wow. water came in, and it was like <laughs> just crazy. <laughs> Yeah, and there's yeah. nothing you can do. I mean, you can just sit there. 45 and minutes. Yeah. Where it kind of quieted down, did you still? <laughs> well, I was and behind. Then, well, in Walmart, I couldn't tell. So I lived the storm in Walmart, and then oh, I got oh. behind it to come home. So all I kept seeing was every damage, like everything. It was just, you know, 
I just was in disbelief the whole way home, you know? Yeah. So my experience was in a cage in Walmart <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> you were, yeah. You and were the lights were out, and they were like, they were just like, okay, well, we all have to get to a safe zone. And I was like, okay. And my son and I, we, but, you know, when we got out, we knew it was different. Like, you just knew it wasn't a tornado. It was something totally yeah. different, you know? It was, I thought it was wild too because we didn't have like, you didn't have no birds. There was nothing right. It was so quiet and we lost all our electricity, but we, you know, stayed at home because we had all the livestock and so you were making sure they got water and everything. And finally, you know, we were able to hook up the generator because that, our pole that was out center, everything was underground now. That thing was leaning. Yes. So we didn't know when that thing was finally going to like go. Go. Right. And so thank goodness, you know, we had really good friends that were electricians and not many those guys all at least got us. So we were right. Have, you know, the livestock mattered and yeah. Yeah. We had really good friends too that prioritized us. Yeah. From their own farms and from their own homes to make sure that the water. We, uh, my brother and sister, lost the confinement building. The roof came up and then the building kind of went out and then set outside of itself. So half of the roof was gone. Then when you had twelve hundred head of hogs in there, yes, you need a pump to get water. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and then you need a roof. So they don't. <laughs> well, that's our confinement down yeah. there too. That's what happened. The roof went. And that's when Al was running up. And see, the guys were all out there in the sunshine like it is today. Yes. And they were all like, yeah, sure. Sure. You know? <laughs> and I had the two grand, granddaughters. And I was like, no, guys, I'm hearing it on the radio. I'm serious. This thing is really. And they were like, okay. You know. And they, they were just like, like, don't believe me. Believe yeah. me this time. And yeah. once they saw it, it was just like, oh, oh my gosh. You probably stopped coming on the horizon. Yes. You yeah. kid. It was just a wall. But yeah. I said that. The water that was inside that uh, smelled like old pond water. Oh, it probably lifted every pond water yeah, and it put was it in like there. So yeah. dirty. I mean, anywhere where it all came in, it was just like, oh my gosh, crazy. Yeah, that was just two years ago. Think about that. Just two years ago. That's what. And then um, just this last year, remember, right at that same time, same date. Yes, the they were talking about that. And I mean, you talk about no traffic. Everybody was at home. Yeah. Yeah, everybody took it really, really serious that time. Well, and did you even know what the word derecho was? Yeah. Like, I didn't, we had no what, idea. I didn't even know that word was a word until we had it. And then, you know, derecho, I don't know, people said it all weird, you know. And yeah. And now, you, and then to have no news coverage about it. That's, just, it was really an odd. It was really disappointing. Yeah. Um, because there were some people didn't even know, like, it right. happened. You know, until mm-hmm. they heard afterwards or they saw it on Facebook right. and they're like, why didn't we have this? But if it happens on the East and West Coast, I mean, those right. are like major. But this one was as major as what they could get, you know, I know, elsewhere. So, and I think about those people that just went through Ian in Florida, yes. you know, but they had five days notice and they could evacuate. And, and I'm not yeah. minimizing anyone's loss or life down there that is right. taken because that's very, very tragic as well. Yeah. And they live on an ocean. I mean, yeah. <laughs> what do you expect a hurricane? Yeah, Iowa, you just don't expect it. No, not in the Midwest. I know. That was one thing. My dad was a science teacher, you know, and so he taught us a lot about the weather all the time, but that was one thing he never brought up. He never brought up to Yeah. He didn't really have one. No, no. Yeah. So you guys, um, you and Al met at college. You went to, where'd you go? Hawkeye? Hawkeye Tech. Tech. Right. Did you know what you wanted to do right out of high school? I mean, or did you just kind of go there to explore or how did you end up at Hawkeye Tech? Um, first I started at Iowa State. Okay. I thought 
I'm headed out there. My my future thing was I wanted to be a vet. Okay. Um, you know, I they kept talking me out of it because the years Who's of they? schooling. It would have been my mom and dad. <laughs> they were like, "There's a lot of years of schooling. Eight here. years. Yeah, if you get in. Yeah, and to, yeah, if you get in and to go on and. Um, but I was like, I really, I really wanted to do that. So I thought, well, I'm going to just learn the business side of everything. Right. So, and then do animal side underneath. But once I got up there, I was in some classes that, you know, you had to take, but I could really see that this wasn't hitting my, you know, one I will never forget is the Greek gods I was list, you know, in, and I was looking around, there was probably about 250 kids and I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> I, I have got to rotate out of this. Well, I made my decision within the two weeks, so you got a lot of... I, Mom and Dad were pretty good about it, too. Yeah. But I could make my move. And I went up to Hawkeye Tech, which there was great instructors. Yeah. I wanted to do a little bit of judging. Um, and so it was just kind of a natural fit. And I went into ag business that way. And Al was in Animal side, and then we were both on the judging team together. But learned a lot within you know mm -hmm. really those two years it's an intense i mean when you uh, the community college environment is such a great one for jumping right in hands-on getting the you know learning it yes and really getting the learn it and be a part of it you know yeah. you get you're there usually for two years so if you're on the judging team there's not like you have to wait it out on the jv squad you are the team and we need to get moving yeah so. yeah I mean, there, you know, there's a group of us, and then when you get to be on the floor, that's that's a big thing. Yeah. You know, you had to keep, and I had no oral reasons experience at all. Yeah. And so, probably was the best, because they say you don't have those bad habits, so you just kind of learned as you went. But um, it ended up being, a, you know, a great experience. We had a really good team, and so... The success came along with it. Mm -hmm. We had really good instructors. Who were your instructors? Like Bob Kim, Mal Snedeker, um, you know, Dumphy, Mike Dumphy. Yeah. Um, Do you still call them Mr. Dumphy and Sir? <laughs> I always think when they're your professors. Yeah. Dr. Scar. Okay, Brad Scar. <laughs> Brad Scar and I, I mean, we literally spent a summer together in China, like on oh. a big travel course. And... You get to know people on a more personal level, right? I still right. can't call you Brad. <laughs> You're like Doctor Scar. Yes, yes. I do. How old you are? It's still Doctor. Right. Yeah. Right. Talk about back then. Was what was your demographics like as far as female to to guys on the team? Was it pretty even then, or was it more one sided? Or yeah, back then, no, there was not many females. Like, usually when we traveled, uh, there would be a couple other teams I would stay mm -hmm. with those ladies. So, um, it was good because we got to meet each other from different colleges, you know. Uh, but, yeah, we were in the minority. You were? Yeah. yeah. Well, because I went to school 88 to 92 at Iowa State. And I would say then the meets team was oh, yes. very female-dominated. The judging team was maybe one or two out of ten female. Now you look at the teams. Aren't you impressed? Oh, yeah. I was like, yes. this is awesome. I mean, I'd say 50, 60 percent are women, which is very exciting, I think, yes. as a woman who's been oh, through gosh, it and, yes. like, come up and through it and done a yeah. lot of, you know, just personal judging on her own on the side. How do you see that? Do you see that more in when you – because you're – a national known judge 
Do you see that more when you're traveling, that the women are out there in the ring more and getting their dues out on the plat out on the mic? I think, you know, that's probably one of the things that's been asked, you know, a lot. Uh, where, where do you think it's headed? I think it's wide open mm -hmm. for uh, ladies to be in the ring. Uh, it's still one of those things that you've got to prove yourself. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the very first shows I, I judged was a county fair, and they weren't used to ladies, you know, in the ring. Besides, they said, oh, you're our ribbon girl today. <laughs> and I said, uh, no, we won't name the county. Yeah, I said, no, sir, I, I'm your judge today. And he was like, oh, you know, then he came sorry. back and he was like, so sorry, but he had never seen anybody, you know, judge before right? a lady. And so uh, the biggest thing is that you had to just, when you stepped in the ring, you had to be very confident mm -hmm. in what you're doing. Uh, compared to maybe, I was, you know, ladies were prejudged yeah. before we actually did, you know, the judging in the ring. Right. And so uh, that was probably the best advice, you know, I had gotten was just to be very, very confident yeah. in what you were going to do. Well... You are the person in charge of that ring that day. And it really doesn't take too long if you have a, and you're consistent and you know where you're at um, to get that respect back. Yeah. And so I've had, you know, females write to me, you know, talk to me and they wanted to be a part of it. And the biggest thing I said is just keep your dreams and go for it. Mm -hmm. Don't let, you're going to have people that say no or try to discourage you, but go for it. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to stop you from achieving that. And it's kind of interesting because there's some of these ladies now are out there judging. Mm -hmm. And it's so neat to see and that, you know, they're achieving those goals that they set many years ago mm -hmm. for themselves. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's wide open. I yeah. think if females want to go do it, uh, they definitely can. And, you know, just <clears throat> to have the respect with your peers you know, the other, the males in everybody, you know, comes together. So to even be on the list, you know, they I mean, every show, who you want to judge? And they always make a list, you know, five people, because people have schedules or whatever. Yes. It's, it's great that it's now you're on the list. Women are on the list and they're being considered equally. And it's not because she's a woman and not because he's a man anymore. It's just, they're the one for the best one for the job. And that right. is what I love. I think in the last, I'd say eight to ten years, even yeah. more so in the last five years, I would say it's really I, changing and yes. rolling. Like the ball's rolling, right? Like we're going down the mountain. You know, it's kind of fun. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's an exciting part of it. So the podcast I, I call "Ladies in the Lead." She stock shows, and I always ask my guests, "What does that mean to you?" If somebody came up to you and said, "Candy, you stock show." What would you say to that? What would you say that means? There's probably several. You know, because just probably from where I'm at now in life. But, you know, right at first it was probably, you know, the judging that yeah. I wanted to get into and get ladies out there mm -hmm. and into the lead. Um, that part, I think, was probably my very first goals, mm -hmm. you know, to be more willing to take chances. Right. And I risk. probably would want to take more chances than I did. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes it is more, Al was always pushing me. It was like, you know what you're doing, just do it. Right. Um, so 
uh, that would probably be my first to get ladies yeah. more. Don't be scared. Yeah. Go after it. Yeah. Uh, then it was the family, you yeah. know, and the stock shows were probably, you know, some of our greatest memories. Mm -hmm. And even in the barn, I mean, <laughs> we had so much fun uh, in the barn. You do treading livestock or cleaning pens, you know, that can get pretty you know, ongoing day yes. after day. It can be mundane or, yeah. Yes. And so it was probably interesting how Cody and Chelsea worked it out. Cody couldn't handle just standing there treading. Um, so he would, uh, you know, made a deal with Chelsea. You, you tread them all and I'll clean every pen you want yes. me to. And Chelsea was thought that was awesome. And Cody thought it was awesome. So they worked it out. Yeah. But, you know, we would just have fun. Uh, Chelsea, of course, would have all kinds of different music. Cody would be uh, mostly just country, but there's time when we come down to the barn and Chelsea would be, you know, jamming out or rapping and out goes, I hope to gosh your pig doesn't come out with those beats, you know. <laughs> but that was how those, you know, yeah. two, and they were in sports. So um, there was many, you know, long nights, like all the families that go through. But I think just a family core in really the livestock families that are out there that you all get to be friends with. We didn't have to worry, you know, our kids could all play together. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was the greatest way to raise them. Yeah. You know, competition was out there and also failure. So they learn. You know, you got to pick yourself up. So that and to now, you know, uh, you're really a producer. I mean, the yeah. producing aspect of it. So, yeah, I think now it's more we get in that comfort zone. You're, you're a little bit more confident in everything uh, of what you're doing. But also that you know that you got to keep a really open mind to technology, um, how you, you know, get the new, because we're like, Al and I are at that stage. We hate to even say this, but, you know, you're, you're on some people's grandchildren. Yes. Uh, which is awesome that we've been able to stabilize them and you to keep them our customers. But right. then you also look like we're into that next generation and we've got to keep viable, you know, we've got to keep ahead. Mm -hmm. And so those are all our, probably our next challenges that we're looking at in uh, where we have to be before we would just, everybody want to look in a magazine or <laughs> you talk to each other and you know, emailing as a big or texting, yeah. you know, you may not ever meet them till like very end or where you're, you know, getting the livestock, but it's just everybody's busy lives. Yeah. You know, where it is now. So, gosh, it's so cool to see, like, you know, when you start, like, stock show, it's so interesting to talk to women about it or just talk to anybody about it and what their experience is from family to just the individual experience in the ring to, you know, raising them or like you said networking those kind of things it's just so fun i'm so glad you covered all those areas because that really has been part of your journey yes. it's been through like that weave of that ribbon of all of it yes. i know have you had a highlight have you had a favorite part oh wow probably like both you know to me was lambs because it was like you that's knew, your side yeah you <laughs> knew everything what you wanted to do and probably al was more into pigs yeah so, yeah, because we were detailing. And then there was at times I was like, man, it'd be easier just to be out there showing, you know? <laughs> I know. And then you had to get past all that. And then it was, you know, the next stage. And they were doing just fine. But it was like everything that you just wanted to keep fine-tuning, fine-tuning. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, 
now I get to watch those moms, you know, on the sideline. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Uh, it's so. so challenging. For us, my, me personally, I'm very hands-on. So it was hard for me to step back sometimes and let the kids, like, really, you know, tweak their expertise or whatever. Because I'm always like, no, no, let's just... And I know yeah. you're a worker, too, because I find so much joy in the work. Like, doing the daily work, doing the little things like that. So... So let them yes. finally go in the ring. You're just like, okay, <laughs> go. go do your thing. You know, yeah. it's so fun. And when they're both, you know, when they were both at the age and they were both showing, you just had so much that you had to keep, you yeah. know, moving. How, so, many, so how many years apart are they? There are four. Four so years apart. Okay. Yeah. And so those those years are remember just like, whoa. And then you're showing pigs and sheep and you're like, what, are you in the rain yet? No, it, I mean, oh my gosh. I know. Yeah, but it worked. It worked. It does work. Yeah. And I always say, I'm, I don't remember watching kids show pigs as much because we were in the sheep barn showing sheep at that time, you know, kind of yeah. around there. But they just always had such a wonderful presence and gratitude-filled presence oh, about them. Well, thank you. And I think that that comes from, you know, obviously their parents and and I know that you see that in them as well and, and pass those values on. But I hope you know people notice that about your kids. And, well, thank yeah, you. Yeah, and take thank that. Because it is hard. Okay, I, and I don't want to make this sound like this is weird, but you are at a level, at a high level. So now your kids are introduced into it to be competitive and to try to win and support others in their winning. And you're a judge and you're, you know, you're trying to balance all that to be successful, to sell, to, you know, still be out there. Did you find that difficult or did you guys have good conversations about that? Or did you set goals and we're like, okay, these are the goals here. How do you manage that triangular aspect of that? And it's very interesting that you say that because there was, um, you know, a balancing act that we had to, uh, probably the biggest thing with our customers, we were straight up. If there was something we were keeping, we show them. And that was something we were keeping, you know, the kids mm -hmm. would be showing. So we never like hid livestock off or anything like that. Yeah, they were yeah. always very straight with them. Uh, early on, we just would let them show like in the sheep, it would just be you lambs. And like Al would just maybe do the guilt, you know, right. or the, mm -hmm. so, but we learned very quickly <laughs> that to be very competitive, we couldn't we could do that. Yeah. We also would have to, you know, show some of our livestock. And then if you didn't show any of your livestock, then it would be like, why, why, why aren't, aren't you, you showing, showing your own? Why are you, you show selling it yeah, yeah. all to your customers? So that was a balancing that we just were like very straightforward. This is what we're looking at. Uh, you know, it just always let the, everybody know That's what a great we were way doing. To do it. Yeah, just to be straight up front. Yeah. Like, hey, this is what I got in the barn. This is what I'm offering. And yeah. you know with lambs, and I and I believe with hogs too, lambs is very showmanship driven a lot of times. You can have two really good lambs. If you have a really good showman on one, you can out you can beat a really good lamb that may not have as good a showmanship on one, and you could so you could flip it, right? So yes. it's kind of what gives you a little bit of a like these lambs are both good, you know. Here's your showmanship, tweak it, get it better on it. I, I think it's an interesting aspect of sheep showing that maybe the cattle don't have. I mean, yeah. a good steer is going to show itself off whether you have an average showman or not. Or not. Now, yeah. granted, there's definitely good showmen that are going to get good cattle further along. And But the hogs, too, I think, a good showman gets them seen in the ring, gets them driven, gets them whatever. 
but she was really intense. Do you see that? Do you think you might yeah. just making this stuff up? No, no. Uh, you know, showmanship in uh, sheep has always been like kind of a goal winner if you can outshow someone or you knew your ring presence yeah. or where you needed to be. Um, yeah, you can you can definitely get yourself up there farther um, comparably. You know, at hogs, when we didn't have their heads up all the yeah. time, you know, you were just driving a hog. There probably wasn't as much, much. But now with the heads, you know, it's been like that for several years. I mean, that takes training at home, and those yeah. kids got to know. Um, and when to turn and, you know, uh, really know their hogs. Shay Becker, I interviewed her about a month ago. Yes. And she said, I got seven seconds from the gate opening to, to, to win the class. I got seven seconds to make that impression. And I think how important that first impression is with those hogs, you know? She's like, and I always told my kids, you need to be on two steps before you get in the ring instead of like, chomping it, like right. trying to catch yourself kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what was the tip you gave? What was the one tip you gave the kids for the hog ring? The hog, the hog ring, probably the biggest thing is the same as Shay. Like when you come out that gate, you got to impress them because mm -hmm. that's when you're going to get the cut one way or to the pen or not. Right. Uh, so you don't have very long and you know, the kids were usually like right on point, ready yeah. to go. Mm -hmm. uh, but that, that's where it is and where you had to be placed where the judge, yeah. you know, could see. You're one-on-one. -on -one. That's yeah. your one-on-one -on -one time. Like the judge is looking just at you. So you yeah. got seven seconds, yeah. And it's the same as when the sheep comes in. You know, when they handle them, it's usually about two seconds. And if you're not set and you're not ready to go, uh, they're not going to get that good handle. Mm -hmm. It's the same when they come in the ring. Yeah. I mean, you want really good eye contact. You want that lamb in presence ready to go. Because mm -hmm. that can give you that little extra advantage that they'll remember that sheep and coming around. And then if they handle it, it's like, yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I remember we went to sheep camp. Which, praise God for sheep camp. I'm like, <laughs> like that started, I don't know, like 10 years ago. And we finally went, I don't know, my, with my youngest we went. And it was such an impactful opportunity to step up our sheep showmanship and stuff like that. But the walking, the walking aspect of sheep showing now versus how it used to be, I would say 10, 15 years ago. So many of these lambs, you can just judge them on the walk. You know, in the trot, and we—I remember at sheep camp, we would walk them one way for forty-five minutes straight. Oh, wow. and then we turned around and we walked them on non-show side the 30, thirty minutes away. You know, that way, like yeah. So those lambs just I'm would be age. exhausted. Well, they were exhausted. The yeah, kid was exhausted. exhausted. But I, I just remember that you could go either side on that lamb, and when you walked in, that thing just walked. Yeah, you know. I know. Do you, as a judge, like to judge them better on the walk or handle on them, or how do you like to judge them? I'm both, yeah. but I uh, first impression is on the walk. Obviously, when you're walking in, yeah. yeah. And it, you know, a lamb will stay together. Uh -huh. um, and I'm big from you know the base, the ground up. Yeah. And so structurally, they got to be built correctly. Yeah. And then everything else, you know, from iopila muscularity, and the hardest thing to make as a breeder to put together is combinations mm -hmm. where I'll lay, you know, my most um, probably final decisions on mm -hmm. when you get. Because sometimes, you know, to get that much muscular, still be structurally correct and the rib shape right. And, you know, it's, when they're jacked up and shallow, those are the hardest things to put all together. Yeah. Uh, you know, we can definitely put a lot of muscularity on one, but it's really deep fronted. You know, it's got headlights <laughs> is what I said. It's 
Got those, the headlights. That's a good way to frame it. Yeah. Those are, um, you know, something that we can do in one generation. Right. But once you lose your front end, it usually takes you two to three years of the right buck to do that without losing everything else. So um, when I see those special ones that come in the ring, that just put a, it, it's a, one that will stick in my mind. Yeah, it's just definitely. a cool, cool thing. When you yeah. see it, like, and for those who are as I all have friends, they'll be like, "What are you looking at?" Or, "What are you seeing?" And I'm just like, "It's just pure magic." When you see the things, <laughs> yeah. that's what it is. It's pure joy and magic out there, yeah. and it's so fun to see them. And to think you got it to to come together and on that one particular animal, it's just really cool. Yeah, those will stick in your head. We we say like a lot. Al and I will have like where your hair is sticking up. On you're like, man, I got one here. I could run. And uh, so, you know, people have asked us, is it harder to judge a lot of good ones or a lot of bad ones? Well, when you get in a class, you definitely, to judge a lot of good ones is always fun because that you can just fine tune it down to those very nitpicky of what you want, but you appreciate all the qualities that a lot of those lambs got. So if you have a lot of bad ones, you don't have one to run with, then it's like, where am I, where am I going to go? Well, and it teaches you yeah. as a judge a lot about your own priorities. Yes. It teaches you about what really matters to you. Yeah. If you have to pick, you have where to start. You're going to have to yeah. start somewhere, and this is where I'm going to start. Thanks for listening, you guys. That was an awesome episode of Ladies in the Lead, and I'm so grateful that you took the time to listen to it. I want to thank Austin Garner for being my audio producer. I'm your host, Joan Garner. I want to encourage you to check out Facebook. I have a Facebook group called Ladies in the Lead, and you're going to want to like and follow along. Of course, you can always check out shestockshows.com to see uh, any updates or if you need to contact me, or you can use my Facebook, Joan Garner. We'd love to have feedback and we'd love to hear from you all. You guys have a great week. We'll see you out on the road.